This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, how would you characterize a relationship which is predicated upon how much each person gains from the other? What if a person were to say, well, I expect this friendship to help me in my social climbing. Or if the other friend were to say, you know, as long as I stay close to him, I might get that job I've always wanted. I mean, wouldn't you call such a relationship mercenary or calculating? And wouldn't you pretty confidently predict that it would fall apart pretty soon? Let's suppose a woman came to you and said, you know, I I married him for his money. I don't even like him that much, but I knew I'd make a fortune after his death. All I had to do was, you know, be decent to him until uh, time came for my payoff. Well, I imagine you'd hold such a woman in contempt. Suppose a soldier came to you who'd done heroic things over in Afghanistan. And he said to you, well, yeah, I did all those things because I knew it would help my political career. You know, everybody loves a hero. Look at Teddy Roosevelt. Everyone loves a war hero. I don't really love my country that much, and and I really couldn't stand my fellow soldiers. But, you know, a guy does what he's got to do to get ahead. Well, I, I trust you'd be fairly flabbergasted. Here's the point. Friendship, marriage, patriotic devotion, those are all commitments that are undertaken for their own sake, not for the benefits that may accrue to the one who enters into the commitment. Let me just say that again. (laughs) These things that we really treasure, like friendship, marriage, patriotic devotion, They're commitments that are undertaken for their own sake and not because certain benefits might come to you because of them. That's why the litmus test is that a true friend is willing to give his life for his companion. A true husband is willing to sacrifice everything for his wife. A true soldier will die for his country. Now, see, the point is, in each of those rather extreme cases, there's no possible benefit that could accrue. In each of those cases, the person loves the other as other and not in a merely mercenary manner. Does that make sense? And again, the, the litmus test is so clear. If you're, if you're willing to give your life for someone, well, clearly you're not doing this because you're going to get something out of it. You have, in this admittedly mysterious way, transcended self-interest. 
And think of a couple, you know, when they commit to each other in marriage. What they're saying is, my life is not about me anymore. It's about you. Each one pledges that to the other. I, I'm not in this for mercenary gain. And that's why, you know, the wedding ring has that symbolism. As the ring turns, well, that's the wheel of fortune. That's what's going to happen to that couple in the course of their married life. As we say, for better or for worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and health, that's the wheel of fortune that, that turns. But despite all that, I pledge my love to you. I'm not in it for benefits. Okay. Our readings for this weekend are all about that great principle, but precisely in relation to God. The Bible constantly warns against entering into a merely mercenary relationship with God. That is to say, a friendship of convenience or self-interest. So, immature person in the spiritual life might say, well, I will love God because I'm confident that all kinds of benefits will come to me from that relationship. If I love the Lord and do what he wants, I'll be protected from illness. If I love the Lord, do what he wants, I'll live a long life. Maybe my enemies won't triumph over me. Maybe I'll be rich and successful. Maybe I'll feel good. I'll have lots of warm spiritual experiences, etc. As I say, some people who are very immature in the spiritual life will move into that space. It's a mercenary friendship with God. What will I get out of it? What I invite you to do, everyone, is go through the stories of the great biblical heroes with that little litany I've just uh, unfolded in mind. Is it the case that Job, who was utterly devoted to Yahweh, followed Yahweh's law to the T, is it the case that Job is protected from illness, disaster, loss? The contrary. Is it the case that Abraham, our father in faith, someone utterly devoted to Yahweh, always had warm spiritual experiences, never had deep struggles? Read the account of the sacrifice of Isaac to get the details. Was it true that Moses, arguably the greatest figure in the Old Testament, someone deeply in love with God, never experienced defeat at the hands of his enemies? David, the sweet singer of Israel, the specially privileged servant of Yahweh, Yahweh's beloved. David always had good spiritual experiences. Jeremiah, maybe the greatest of the prophets. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God says to him. A prophet to the nations I've appointed you. The great Jeremiah never experienced conflict. Read those stories sometime and ask yourself that question. Does love of God always accrue to my personal benefit? I think you'll see the answer is a pretty resounding no. It's funny, in fact, how religious people supposedly in touch with the Bible 
fall so constantly into the trap of thinking that friendship with God means that suffering will be kept at bay. There's simply nothing in the Bible to justify such an assumption. And this is precisely because the Bible is not interested in cultivating a mercenary friendship with God. Listen up. But rather with cultivating a true friendship, whereby we fall in love, not with his benefits, but with him. Now, that's the point I want you to get from this whole sermon. You can forget everything else I've said if you remember that line. The Bible wants us to enter into a true friendship with God, whereby we fall in love not with his benefits, but with him. There's a magnificent and mysterious line in the book of Job, which runs as follows. Listen. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. (laughs) Can I suggest you'd spend your whole life unpacking the meaning of that line. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Even if God kills Job, Job is willing to trust in the Lord. Now, you might be tempted to say, well, that's crazy. But think for a moment about a truly devoted husband. Wouldn't he say, I will love you to his wife, even if that love means that I will have to die? Wouldn't a soldier say, I will love my country, even if it means I have to die in her service? So the question is, now in the spiritual order, can you reach the point where you say, I love God simply for his own sake and not for any benefits that might come to me from the relationship? If you can, then you've reached real spiritual maturity. One way to get at the same idea is to look at what the spiritual tradition calls desolations and consolations. Notice how a great master such as Ignatius of Loyola handles this. He emphatically does not say, that the whole point of the spiritual life is to get consolations, good feelings, spiritual uplift. Nor does he say that avoiding desolations is what the spiritual life is all about. To avoid dryness, to avoid sadness, to avoid depression. Instead, he says, one should watch desolations and consolations. Watch them, notice them, and then let them go. Why? Why? Because one's focus is not finally on those, but on God. I'm not falling in love with consolations. I'm falling in love with God. Now, I hope that by now the application to our gospel is obvious. This famous and and 
upsetting parable of Jesus about the men who are hired early in the day. They work all day in the hot sun. Others hired at noon, others at three, others at the very end of the day. They work only for an hour in a much cooler environment. He pays them first, and they get the usual daily wage. Those who had struggled in the heat much longer, of course, expect to be paid more. They're paid the same daily wage. And so they cry out and protest. How could you pay them the same? They who worked for one hour, we worked for, for 10 hours in the hot sun. It's unfair. What's the spiritual point of this parable? Those men who complained were in a merely mercenary relationship with the landowner. They did what he wanted only because they would get certain things out of it. We cannot be, we must not be in that kind of relationship with the living God. When we find ourselves complaining as they did about injustices and some people getting more and I'm getting less, it proves that we haven't yet fallen in love with God, but rather with his benefits. Loving God for his own sake, that's the thing. And so the question, everybody, as I close, it's a hard question, but a very important one. How precisely do you love the living God? And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Friends, I'm happy to announce that my new DVD study program, Priest, Prophet, King, is now available. This deeply biblical presentation will help you better understand Jesus and realize your own priestly, prophetic, and kingly mission. Learn more and pick up your copy at priestprophetking.com.